That was a complete, I would say, beatdown. Offensively, we're struggling. We're struggling in a number of areas. It's not just the quarterback, it's protection, it's run game, it's, it's receivers, it's backs, it's everything. So, you know, it's one of those things where we're going to have to wipe the, the slate clean and start all over and try to figure out how to do some semblance of offense and how to get some things back going. So we got a lot of work to do, you know, and I'm not blaming the players. Right now it's going to be us and the coaches. You know, we got to get this thing fixed. You heard it there from Carl Durrell, a complete beatdown by the Minnesota Gophers over Colorado. Adam Munster Tiger here, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. You know, honestly, it would have been nice to take a week off from podcasting after what we all saw happen at Folsom Field on Saturday. I've also got to head out of town this coming week after media availability is done at CU to attend the funeral of my uncle Bob, who passed away. Still going to be able to make it out to cover the Arizona State game, but uh, it makes for a pretty tight week. But I wanted to at least put together a shorter podcast to address a little of the disappointment from CU's final non-conference game. So uh, no fair weather reporting here. I'm going to be joined by Ryan Miller later in the podcast. And, and we talked a lot about what happened with the Buffaloes against Minnesota. Terrell mentioned they have to wipe the slate clean. He said it's on us, the coaches, and we have to get this fixed. Obviously, no one should have an issue with Chris Wilson and the defensive staff and the defense following three weeks. Yeah, they gave up 30 points to Minnesota, but if you watch that game, obviously you know that they they hung in there for a long time. Yeah, they gave up some big plays. It's college football. You're going to. Colorado's defense has played well enough without question for them to be 3-0 and going into the conference play. Special teams, yeah, there was the muff punt from Dimitri Stanley. That's not really the biggest issue with this program, obviously. So all fingers point to offense. And Jarrell was asked after the game on Saturday, hey, is there a, you know potential that you have to change who calls plays? Or do you have to do a quarterback competition? This was his answer. I think I have to, as a head coach, I have to look at everything. I really do. So it is one of those points in the season, given that performance, that we really have to reevaluate everything. There's a lot of frustrated Colorado fans that want Darren Cheverini fired right now. I don't think three games into the season, that's necessarily what is going to happen or what would be good for this program. That's the type of decision you would make after the season like Darrell did in terms of firing Tyson Summers after the Alamo Bowl. Don't misinterpret that, though. I'm not saying they shouldn't make a change at play caller. I'm just saying you just don't fire an assistant coach after three games. If you are going to make a change in terms of who's calling the plays, you do have Danny Langsdorf on staff. Obviously, that's going to be your prime candidate if you're going to switch up play calling duties. He was the offensive coordinator at Oregon State for a really long time between 2005 and 2013. He was the offensive coordinator at Nebraska between 2015 and 2017. And uh, he's been a passing game coordinator at his last three stops, although he never coached in a game at UNLV, was there for a short period of time before he got hired on at Colorado. Between a, a couple of those coordinating stints, he did spend a little time at Oregon in the NFL for New York. Does Danny Langsdorf getting 
the keys to the offense change everything? Of course not. I mean, the issues, as much as some people want to just point it right at Darren Cheverini, it goes far beyond that. Offensive line play has left a lot to be desired this season, particularly against Minnesota. And if you don't have a quarterback that can get the ball down the field, it doesn't matter how good your play calling is. It's not doesn't matter how good your running backs are. Other teams are going to stack the box. And until Colorado can prove that they can move the ball down the field through the air, other teams are going to pin their ears back and be after, whether that's Brennan Lewis or Drew Carter, both obviously freshmen. Brennan Lewis has been in the system longer. And so I don't think you want to pull him right now. I think you have to give him an opportunity to go out there in Tempe and try to shake off what happened. You could probably say, what, the last seven quarters? Because he looked pretty sharp early on against AM. And sometimes things snowball, and especially if your confidence gets shattered. But I don't think you can wait too long if Brennan Lewis can't get this turned around. You know, we've heard Gary Barnett, who has access to watch Colorado's practices, say that once JT Shrout went down with an injury early during preseason camp, that he thought Drew Carter was their best quarterback. It's still just not crystal clear, though, that Brennan Lewis is not the future. And I know if all you had ever done is just watch what happened on Saturday against Minnesota, you would feel that way. It was really ugly. He just did not look comfortable in the pocket. He's having a hard time pre-snap read with his reads, his progressions after the snap. There's also a feeling watching him that he's somewhat gun shy. So by the time he makes a decision and gets the ball out of his hands towards the receiver, even if that receiver's open, it's giving that defensive back or linebacker time to recover. We've seen that quite a bit here, again, in these last seven quarters. And you can just tell his confidence is shaken, kind of like I mentioned a second ago there. Carl Durrell did also mention the, the, you know, the possibility of, hey, do we get Drew Carter out there for a few series with Brennan still being the guy? That way we can move Drew Carter along in his development, uh, but not move away from Brennan Lewis quite yet. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to try to fix their offensive woes. We will have media availability with Carl Durrell on Monday around 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Now, obviously, he's not going to go deep into game planning and schematic changes that they, that they might be making offensively because uh, that would be a pretty poor strategy to tip your hand errors on the state. We'll see how open he is about just what he saw when he really dove into the tape of the Minnesota game. And, you know, how much of it was an emotional hangover? How much of it was on the offense line? How much of it was on Brennan Lewis's lack of ability to read the field? How much of it was play calling? And, and will he announce, hey, we're going to make a change there or we're going to stick with Darren Cheverini as a play caller? Uh, we'll find out this week. But exactly what that looks like, we might not know. In fact, I don't think we will know until they kick off against Arizona State. That's going to be 
8.30 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff with television coverage on ESPNU. Let's bring in Ryan Miller, former five-star recruit, former CU All-American, former NFL lineman, to get his thoughts on what happened to the Buffs against Minnesota. Joined on the line by Ryan Miller, who is uh, just returning home from watching uh, some Wiener Dogs race. We were chatting a little bit about that. You, you got to kind of give our listeners uh, some insight into, into what that whole experience is like. Oh, boy. Well, so one one uh, person stands on one side and one person stands on the other, and it's just a whole bunch of tiny tornadoes of fur. Uh <laughs> I, it was like a whole bunch of half-fast subs running back and forth to each other. Um, it was hysterical. I'd never seen that. I didn't know that was a real thing. And some of our buddies have got two little uh, Dotsons, and they raced them, and it was awesome. Uh, came in second due to a, a biased call, in my opinion, but we'll let bygones be bygones. If you've never been to a Wiener Dog race at Oktoberfest, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. That's great. I think, yeah, after watching CU's game uh, – Everybody needed to distract themselves with something else. Uh, at some point today, uh, I got out there and did some yard work, work and, and actually took our boxer puppy to the dog park because, uh, Ryan, that, that was rough yesterday. And I think rough is putting it lightly. Just wanted to get your overall takeaways from what happened to the buffs against the Gophers on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, man, I wish I had an answer. It's, you know, you look at the stat list and, you know, we only had six first downs, um, time of possession, almost two to one from, from Minnesota to CU. And then the turnover game, rushing yards, passing yards, it, it just, you know, anybody that watched it just kind of, you you wonder what happened. And I, I don't know what happened. Uh, misfiring on, on offense and when you don't give your defense time to get off the field, they're going to get burned. And this was a tale of, unfortunately, just an absolute butt whipping in the line of scrimmage. And this, we got to fix some stuff, plain yeah, and simple. Yeah. Like you said, it's tough to know exactly how a Colorado team that put up such a fight against Texas A&M and Denver and uh, the week prior to that had, you know, beaten UNC handily could – lay an egg like they did against Minnesota. When you were watching it, did it feel like it was an emotional hangover or, or did it seem like it was more about just the lack of execution and getting out schemed? Uh, again, I, I know we're guessing here. Even Carl Drell didn't have firm answers after the game. I was just curious what your, your, your feeling was when you were watching the game. To me, it just looked like nothing clicked. People were out of sync. Uh, Nobody seemed to be on the same page, uh, whether it was a, a play calling offensive line, even route running. It just it looked like sloppy football. And, you know, I think defense did an OK job for what what they were allowed to do. Um, obviously, they, they needed some help from the offense. It's, it's these are one of those games where it's, it's hard to talk about because you, you don't know. You know, we don't have the answers and we'd love to nitpick everything. And you just hope that that we can find something to go from having a very, very phenomenal rushing attack to, to negative rushing yards is. Yeah. Where, where do you look? What do you do? Is this coming week going to tell us how solid 
or not the leadership is within CU's football program, just from uh, a player perspective in terms of what, what happens in that locker room, do you think what happens next Saturday against Arizona state is going to kind of show us what the leadership is like in this team? One way or another, it's got to, we keep coming back to this leadership thing every week and somebody's got to step up and, and demand it. I hope it comes from the locker room and these guys really realize that you have an opportunity to be special here to you. And, you know, you, you lose a tough one to A&M ifs and buts and canes and nuts. And you come out here against a, a Minnesota team that I think we very easily could have beat. Um, and we, it did not happen out on the field. So this, this week of practice is going to be big. You, you got to erase it though. We, we talked about this last week too, short memory. Yeah. Was it a butt kicking? Absolutely. Learn from it and turn it right around and, and put it to bed. You know, you can't let this hangover stay. It's got to, you've got to move past it. So hopefully I see some, we see some maturity out of this, this team and we can wipe the slate and get ready for another, you know, another very good team start to get to some conference play and, and then hopefully put some W's on the board. What helped you get over tough losses throughout your playing career? I'd imagine that you didn't have previous opportunities to get out to wiener dog races to kind of clear your memory. <laughs> how, how did you go about doing that? Uh, the best part about, about getting over losses. And I say the best part is not really the best part, but at least you've got your teammates and your roommates and guys that you can go to battle with around you right there. Um, that's the beautiful thing about college football versus the NFL is NFL guys go home to their, their wives and their families. And when you're in college, it's you're playing with the guys that you're studying with, that you're living with. So if they can surround themselves and build each other up with the real emotional and nurturing and, and the powerful bonds that friendships and, and teammates can get and really sort of, you know, self-heal within, within their groups, their nucleic groups. I think, I think that's one thing that really helped me is, is we had a good group of guys that we could talk to and hash it out and it would get colorful and violent and, and loud, but then it was over with. And if that's how you got to vent and get it over with, that's fine. But if you've got the guys around you that, that you put your dirt, your hand in the dirt next to you, I think that that was one thing that really helped me was being able to have those moments with those guys because then they understand it and you can share it and get it done with and then move right on to the next one. And that's what, what, what's got to happen here. Now with Twitter, every fan has a voice and pretty much every player's on Twitter. So I would imagine, you know, you, you can kind of tailor it a certain way. You can try to only follow certain people that, that you want to see what they're they're talking about, but it's just hard to hide these days as a player. And and obviously they're on campus as well. Um, if memory serves, Twitter came about kind of when you were in college, right? But it, it wasn't quite as big as it is now. Right. Yeah, we had, I remember, I no longer have Twitter. Plain and simple. Um, I do have some social media accounts, but Twitter is not one of those that I have anymore. I used to, but you, yeah, you are always under the eye in the sky. Uh, people are going to be harsh critics, no question. And there's tons of armchair quarterbacks out there. Um, there's ton of couch referees, and, and you know, and we'll talk about this stuff till we're blue in the face. But you're always going to have people that talk 
whether it be good, bad, or indifferent about you, and you've got to be able to compartmentalize and shift, you know, take something, take a praise, take a punishment, and I'll take it with a grain of salt. Nobody knows the 100% story except for the guys in the locker room, right? Whether so-and-so needs to, you know, get a new job or not be the coach or, or this player needs less reps or more reps, yada, yada, yada. Everybody thinks they've got this magic pill answer. And as a player, if you get stuck reading all of these tweets, you got nowhere to look and nowhere to believe. you got to have a short memory with this stuff. See it, take it for what it's worth, and be your own toughest critic. And if guys can handle that, that's where we're going to see some maturity and, and come out. And it's – I hope – I hope these guys aren't reading Twitter as much as they, as much as I know yeah. they are. <laughs> you you were around pretty high profile high school recruits. So you you played in the Army All American Bowl, and obviously in college you had lots of teammates over over those years and, and played in the NFL. What is your sense for how much you know the average guy will will kind of pay attention to that stuff? I think it's gone up quite a bit. Okay. You've got professional. If if you hold yourself as a mature, as mature individual, and whether it be in your business profession or as an athlete, if you can separate yourself from what other people say, I think I think you'll be better off. No, okay. hands down. Was there there a particular incident in which you were like, okay, Twitter, it's just not beneficial in my life anymore? Um. I don't know if there was a specific incident. I like to think about uh, when you have, when you come across things in life, you either, you have partners and parasites. That's kind of the way I like to think about it. And either you are, you are adding value or people are adding value to you or that, that experience is adding or it's sucking away. And for me, I, I felt some social media things were parasites, just taking up too much of my time. Uh, but with other things and, and business and, and networking, I thought that Facebook or or LinkedIn were some of those partners where it could potentially benefit. So it's give and take, but you've got to be mature about how you handle it. I will say, if you had gotten some good video at the Wiener Dog races today, you could be a TikTok star right now. I do not have a TikTok. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. But I mean, oh. I, I said this yesterday, Ryan, to somebody in the press box. Uh, I kind of made a joke and I go, you know, sometimes covering CU football, you got to laugh to keep from crying. And uh, hopefully that changes consistently at some point in the future. But uh, yeah, day after yesterday, I'm trying to find the humor in anything I can here. But uh, getting back to just a little bit more serious topic with, with CU football, you know, if you're Carl Jarrell, how are you approaching this week? Again, knowing that there is this kind of this noise around the program that, your players are having to deal with? I think it'll go back to what we talked about last week in having that short memory. I mean, I'm going to keep coming back to kind of what we talked to because I believe in it. And I think that it's a good recipe for success. And it's that it's never as good and it's never as bad. And I know that's hard to hear, but as a player, you live and die by that. And you think you had the, the All-American style game where you just, you played lights out and then you get to the film and there's absolute stuff to correct, right? And it's the same thing versus what we had yesterday is you go in there battered and bruised and it's not all going to be ugly. 
You've got to find those little victories and build upon them. See what you did right and then improve upon that. And the same thing, fix what you did wrong and, and improve upon that. There, the only way is up right now. And that, that would be my mentality going into it is you have a good team. We have seen it, right? We had an excellent run offense against North, uh, Northern Colorado. Came down to a very good Texas A&M team. Should have come out with a W there. And then whatever this was, wash it, flush it, and and get on forward to this new to the to conference play. It's got to be a short memory, and we got to keep moving forward with it. Awesome. I'll be heading out to Tempe later this week. That is not my favorite road trip, especially in September. It's still going to be pretty hot down there. But I'm curious, as you kind of think back to your college career at CU, what, what was your favorite road trip? And I know you're not getting a chance to do a whole lot of sightseeing, but was there a particular road game just from the environment that, that you really appreciated? Yeah, you know, you, you talk about Tempe, and I remember that was one of my first first games I traveled as a, I don't even know if I was a freshman. Or not. I know, I remember the long walk from the locker room up to the stadium, and it just it felt like it was a quarter of a mile. And it's, uh, it, it was, it's just like, this is forever. And you got, you were exhausted by the time you got up to the actual field. Um, and it's things like that that stick out to you against for some, some stadiums, you know, like playing against Oakland in the NFL was like the OC Coliseum was an absolute garbage broom closet. Same thing in Toledo, Ohio at the glass bowl. But the best experience I think was when we played Texas, uh, in, in Austin, and that stadium was so cool because it was still we were still big 12 there was still a pretty good little rivalry there and i think we had a chance to win that game block field goal um the what i remember most is fourth quarter in the eyes of texas are upon you and everybody points down at you and as a competitor that was awesome like you want to talk about firing somebody up like i just thought that was one of the coolest experiences uh, aside from running out behind Ralphie, like you, you see these little niches that certain college stadiums have, and whether it's the, the balloons or, you know, or the play like a champion today, uh, sorry, the balloons in, at Nebraska, and then, you know, UT's, uh, eyes of Texas, and, you know, Boomer yeah. Sooner. Just, I'm thinking about all of the Pac 12, excuse me, the Big 12 stuff, because that was the majority of my career. Uh, but I do remember the Stanford band being, looking like what on earth is going on over there yeah that was uh that's one that just kind of you wonder the, they still make the players have quite a bit of a trek down in tempe i don't know if it's the same trek that you guys had but yeah it's a it's a good five minute walk which is unique to your point there i'm trying to remember was that the game where you guys got out to a pretty early lead and then arizona state kind of came back as the game went on i I don't recall. I know I thought it was cool how they have that uh, the stadium in, in like in the side of the mountain, and I remember the tissue paper like feeling underneath my cleats. Um, it was it was so weird for me to walk on grass that just kind of broke, uh, being how dry the grass was, and yeah. you couldn't hardly get any traction because there was nothing to grab onto. It was almost like painted. Painted tissue paper is the way I would describe it. It was just, I'll never forget that feeling of finally getting on and trying to do drills. Like, how am I going to get any grip on this stuff? 
Yeah. And, and these cleats is just how the, the surface was. So The game's not going to kick off until 7.30 Arizona time, but it's still going to be, I would imagine, in the 90s. As a player, what do you what do you do just to keep from cramping? Is it do you do pickle you, juice shots or? Yeah, pickle juice, beetroot, uh, cherry juice, um, IVs before, during, and after the game. Uh, you've got to stay hydrated. You got to get on top of that the week going in. Also, okay, um, getting getting those electrolytes in two to three days before, so your body has a good store of stuff to rely upon because it. It's hard playing in Arizona with that heat and this that moisture just it just gets zapped out of you, especially when you're commanding so much out of your body. So another another huge test in front of in front of this team. And God only knows right now. So I hope I hope yeah. we can figure it out. Well, I've really enjoyed doing these segments with you, Ryan, and I know folks out there have as well. I've seen quite a bit of compliments, just uh, people really enjoying your perspective. Thanks again for hopping on and joining us. My pleasure, bud. All right, that'll do it for this shorter version of Buff Stampede Radio. I know we've been going longer other weeks. Next week, I'm going to be traveling back a little bit later on Sunday, so I'm not quite sure what the podcast plan is for next week. That might have to be, win or lose, a break in the podcast, but I've been putting up the audio from the Tuesday Press Luncheon up on the podcast feed, and obviously each and every day on the buffstampede.com inside the herd message board. Feel free to reach out for me. I'm going to be a little stretched thin this week and I, I might have to pull a Mel Tucker and wear shorts to cover that game down in Tempe on Saturday. It's going to be a hot one there. So check out again, all our content on buffstampede.com this week as we try to continue to analyze what happened during the non-commons portion of CU schedule and looking ahead to the Pac-12 slate, which if they can figure some stuff out on offense, there's a lot of winnable games out there. This conference is struggling. It's not just Colorado through three weeks. So even though it might have felt like it leaving Folsom Field or turning off your TV after this U-Minnesota game, all hope is not officially lost yet. It's going to be a, a test of CU's leadership and the coaching staff this week. And we'll see what happens out at Arizona State. Thanks for tuning in.